You don't have to look for long to find the pain and evil in this world. In this Apex Students podcast, Pastor Chris takes a look at three questions that tragedies like school shootings and suicide cause us to ask. We hope you enjoy this message from Apex Students called Look Around, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little more like Jesus. So, is it okay... Is it okay if we jump into the deep end right off the bat tonight? Because um, I think it's going to a little, it's going to be a little heavier in here than it normally is. Because um, <clears throat> tonight we're going to talk about pain and tragedy in the world, uh, and that's a big undertaking. But here's the idea: you don't have to look hard to find the pain and tragedy and difficulty in the world, right? You don't have to look hard to find that stuff. So the title of our discussion tonight is Look Around. All you got to do is look around just a little bit, and you're going to see that our world is full of pain. It's, it's full of hurting people who are hurting people, and it's just it's messed up. And um, we're going to kind of dissect some of that and look at it and process it together. February 14th, 2018 is a date that will be remembered in history probably forever. Um, it's a date that will be repeated in government for, for maybe years as they talk about gun control. And unfortunately, for 17 families, uh, we'll remember it as the day that they sent their child to school or their husband to work, and they didn't come home. On February 14th, 2018, Nicholas Cruz walked into his former high school, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, and he killed 17 people. This was uh, three adult men and 14 students between the ages of 13 and 18. 14 students between the ages of 13 and 18. He sent many others to the hospital with gunshot wounds. It wasn't something they expected to face that day, obviously. You know, you go to school and... um, until this kind of stuff happens, you feel safe in school. You feel safe being able to walk around the halls of your school. Uh, thank you very much. These, these students obviously didn't expect anything to go wrong, didn't expect it to be um, a day that affected the entire country, right? This is huge. This made national news. is still being talked about all over the place. And we always hear about this stuff when it happens. And there's a couple that more that come to mind Um as I was preparing, I just kind of racked my brain for some of the, the major shootings in the past that I was remembering. And uh, a man opened fire in a Colorado movie theater in 2012, killing 12 people. Later that same year, Sandy Hook Elementary School in Connecticut, uh, 28 people total died. And he killed himself and his mother. Those included in 28 people that lost their lives that day. In 2015, Dylan Roof walked into a South Carolina church and killed nine people at a service. There's a guy in uh, Florida, in a nightclub in Florida, who killed 49 people and then himself in 2016. Just last year, at a concert in Las Vegas, a man killing 59 people, including himself, and sending over 400 people to the hospital. 422 people were sent to the hospital. And just a couple months ago, 17 people lost their lives uh, at school in Parkland, Florida. Schools all over the country had gun scares in the following weeks, and that, that goes for basically any time this happens. There are gun scares all over the place, um, widespread effects. Even local schools like Lehman, uh, Wyoming Valley West had some serious threats. Police were called. It prompted a huge walkout all over the country where many of you even were, were walking out of your school uh, in protest and raising your voice saying something needs to change, something's got to happen. Everyone is affected by this stuff. You got to look around and you'll see really quick the pain that's in our world. And I think because of its widespread effects, it's important that we talk about this stuff. The church talks about this stuff. I know it's 
affected many of you, even if it's just to the point of sparking a conversation with a friend or with your small group leader or a parent. This stuff, it, it, it happened in Florida. It happened in Colorado. It happened in Connecticut. And we're talking about it. It affects all of us. And in light of this, I'd like to ask three questions that are going to guide our discussion tonight, questions that I believe you are often asking to the people around you when tragedy strikes. Um, I want to zero in on these three more constructive questions and uh, attempt to answer them. I think by attempting to answer them, whether you think my answer is complete or not, or, or even you know answers the question at all, I think if we answer them or work towards answering them, we can honestly make the world a little bit better. We can, if we act on the answers we come to, we can prevent things like this. And I don't mean to put the weight of the world on on the shoulders of a middle schooler or a high schooler, but. When we, the choices we make can deter stuff like this from happening. We can make choices that literally changes the culture of our school. So the, the first question I'd like to get with uh, or to start with is this. Why do things like this happen? It's asked every time there's a disaster, a natural disaster, a shooting, uh, when a, a family member that gets cancer. Why do things like this happen? Why would someone do like this? It's do something like this. It's um, one of the first questions that comes to mind when this kind of stuff happens. It goes for every tragedy, every accident or illness. Why do bad things happen? It's fundamental to us as humans asking why do bad things happen? And a, and a God-minded person is going to ask that question a little bit differently and say, why does God allow bad things to happen? Right? Our God who we, who we are told is perfectly good, perfectly loving and faithful. Why does he let bad things happen? You see school shootings and suicide, cancer, natural disasters, abuse, physical, emotional, sexual abuse, riots and retaliation, pain and evil all over the world. So why does God stand by and let it happen? I'm going to give you one simple answer, and obviously there are more. But one simple answer is that one of the biggest causes for this stuff is sin and evil. Sin and evil in this world, bad things happen because of sin and evil. If you're not familiar with the Bible, you might ask, if God is totally loving and good and perfect, why doesn't he make a totally perfect earth? Why do we, if he created this earth, why is it so messed up? If he's perfect, how did he create something imperfect? And that's a great question, but the answer is he did. <laughs> he did create something perfect. In Genesis one thirty one, Genesis 1 is the story of God creating the universe. And in verse 31, God looked at what he created and said, it is very good. It was very good. Genesis one thirty one. One of the essential ingredients that made it very good in the eyes of God was giving mankind something called free will. And free will is your freedom to make a choice. You get to choose what you have for lunch today, but you also get to choose how you handle when people hurt you. You get to choose how you're going to react to trauma in your life. You get to choose... Uh, whether you want to act out in your pain and, and cause harm to other people, you get to make those choices, that freedom of choice. The same choice that can lead you to love God is the same free. That's why he created it, <laughs> because love without free will isn't love. So God created uh, us with free will so we could love him, not so we were programmed to talk to him, but so that we can actually experience this love toward our God, experience the presence of God. That same free will it gives us the choice to choose the right thing or the wrong thing. Spoiler alert, we chose and choose the wrong way a lot of the time. We believe Adam and Eve were created by God. They were the first ones to do it. They messed up. The first sin in history was Adam and Eve uh, making a choice that God told them not to make. It was that simple. God said, don't do this thing. And Adam and Eve did that thing. 
God made the world flawless. He made man with free will, and man abused that free will. And that's what introduced sin and evil into the world. They were the first ones to do it, but we do it all the time. I've done it today. You know, we sin constantly, and uh, every time we choose to sin, that's an abuse of our free will. That's not God's design. But we abuse our free will, and the consequence is sin and evil in the world. Free will is abused all over the world, causing bad things to happen all over the place. Uh, It's why people steal and murder. It's why people drink and drive. It's why people, uh, a hurting student would bring a gun to school. Free will, abusing free will is why bad things happen. And to some degree, it's rooted in the individual. That individual's choice that they make, uh, how they react to certain things in their life. And that brings us to the next question, this discussion about school shootings and other tragedies. uh, tragedies. We ask this question, uh, who would do something like this? Who is capable of of doing something like this. Jesus was the only perfect person that ever walked to the earth. Um, so we can rule out Jesus because he wouldn't do something like this. But that's the only one we can rule out, right? As Christians, our job is to constantly try and look more and more like Jesus, but like we're not there yet. <laughs> we talk here about we're not looking for perfection, we're looking for progress. No one's expecting you to be exactly like Jesus, but I'm hoping that tomorrow you're more like Jesus than you are today. So as we get closer to being like Jesus, we're still not perfect. So we are still all capable of bringing sin and evil into the world. We are still all capable of making a bad choice. When you refuse God, and that's not just like in your life, like accepting Jesus. When you refuse God in any part of your life, you are um, letting something else into your life. When you refuse light, when, when the absence of light is darkness, you get hopelessness and restlessness. You get sin and evil in the absence of God. Romans 15.13 says this. This is such a cool verse. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It says that you need to be filled by the Holy Spirit, with these things, with joy and peace and hope, overflowing with this hope and power. So if I have to constantly go back to the source of hope and joy and peace, uh, for me to have those things in my life, I have to go back to the source. Now, don't hear something I'm not saying. I'm not saying that um, Christians aren't capable of sin and evil and that all non-Christians are going to do some horrible, violent crime. I would never say that. I know plenty of people that call themselves Christians, but don't go to the source of hope and joy and peace. Right? And you do too. Uh, the uh, former superintendent of our denomination, the Assemblies of God, said there should never be an, an uh, un, unkind Christian, I think they said. There should never be an angry Christian, something like that. Like, you know people that are, you're familiar, did you have the vocabulary word curmudgeon? Do you know any curmudgeons? You know? You didn't have that one? <laughs> I don't remember many of my vocabulary words from high school. Um, but curmudgeon somehow made the list. <clears throat> A curmudgeon is kind of like it sounds. I, I think it just sounds like it, the definition. A curmudgeon is like that typical, like, old, like, angry man is like the get-off-my-lawn guy, right? That's a curmudgeon. <laughs> and, and I think reading the Bible that it's clear that if you are going to the source of joy and hope and peace – you're not going to be an angry person. <laughs> you're not going and maybe you're going to deal with rage in your life, but you are not going to be an overall angry person. Um, 
But there are plenty of people that call themselves Christians that do not spend time being filled by God with hope, joy, and peace. And that says to me that basically anyone, there are times in my life where I'm not going to the source enough, it says to me that anyone is capable of terrible things. There's a man named Jeffrey Swanson, and he's a psychiatry and behavioral sciences professor at Duke University, and he specializes in gun violence. Um, This next part is his insight, so don't think that I'm making this up. Um, He highlights a couple common threads in uh, perpetrators of violent crimes. And first, he says mental illness is often um, over-applied to that situation. We we oversimplify things when we say, oh, it's the mentally ill that are carrying out gun crimes. He says it's it's over-blamed for violent crime. Um, They do have like a disproportionate representation in that pool, but um, it's usually mental illness coupled with another factor. That's the more common situation. Uh, One of the threads that he names is substance abuse. And he says over 40% of violent gun crimes, the shooter is uh, abusing a substance, is a substance abuser, and that's drugs or alcohol or something like that. Um, Another extremely common story is that the shooter was suffering from festering anger, alienation, and bitterness over being bullied. Those are like big fancy words, right? But you know what that means. <laughs> you know what alienation is, being alienated, um, festering anger and bitterness from being bullied. I think we know what that, what that uh, looks like in, in people around us. And when we're thinking about school shooting and you know teen, young adult suicide, that kind of thing too. These factors are extremely, extremely common. We highlighted mass shootings earlier, but I'd like to add suicide to our discussion. The U.S. Center for Disease Control reports that suicide is the third leading cause of death for people ages 15 to 24. That blows last that blows my mind like the last last week i talked about during worship i mean i I lost my cool for a second because when i talk about like depression and suicide it just hurts me so much to think that people could be that hopeless right that people could live without jesus or, or with jesus in some cases and just live that hopelessly without going to the source of joy and peace and hope it's the third leading cause of death for 15 to 24-year-olds. Suicide for me used to be a very distant thing. Um, you know, you talk about depression and suicide in health class or whatever. Uh, it was a terrible thing, obviously, but it was a distant thing. There was like maybe a kid in my high school that like I didn't know, but I'd heard about him. Uh, and then a friend of a friend told me their story about how their how a friend of mine told me a story about their friend who committed suicide. And I, and I heard that story and the pain that goes with that. Um, and then a little over six months ago, my cousin took his own life. And we weren't like talking on a daily basis or anything, but this was a cousin that was a staple at our uh, holidays. And it was not, not unnoticed that he wasn't there at Christmas, right? He, you know, he had a huge fight with his fiance, and uh, that relationship seemed to be falling apart and he was just feeling super hopeless. He called another one of my cousins, um, to kind of talk him off the ledge, so to speak. And it wasn't enough. And he took his life that night. And like, I'll I'll never forget that. And like, I go through conversations in my Facebook messenger that I had with this cousin. And and to think that he was in my life and now isn't just breaks my heart because he was hopeless. He told me about a God encounter he had through Facebook messenger. He said he was a truck driver and he said, I was driving the truck and God spoke to me. I heard the voice of God. And I know that he was on the right path at that time because, I mean, he did everything. He immediately contacted his pastor cousin and shared that with me. And, and I knew he was on the right path. But to think that 
maybe six months after that, maybe a, a little more than that, he felt so hopeless that he couldn't live anymore. It just breaks my heart. As suicide kept getting closer to my life, some of you know Sam's story as well. In February of this year, just a month and a half ago, um, Sam's brother, who she grew up very, very closely with, uh, took his own life. And another thing that just blows your mind, you never think it's going to be that close to you. Um, He had a stable job and a girlfriend. He had a family that cared about him. And it didn't make sense. It just didn't make sense that he would do that. That he would feel that hopelessness. He, was, he seemed perfectly happy, perfectly fulfilled, but he was in pain. He was in secret pain. And I think that's a key to all of this discussion. Secret pain. Look around, just real quick, and you're going to see that people are hurting. Many of you heard the news about a student from Dallas just this past week who took her life. Some of you even knew her. Just uh, over a year ago, there was a girl in Nanakoke and a guy in Lake Lehman, just about a month and a half apart, that took their lives. Some of you knew them. The question is, who would do something like this? And the way I see it, the answer is someone who is in pain. Someone is hurting. Someone is hopeless. The Behavioral Health Department at Rutgers State University said about two out of three people that commit suicide and succeed were depressed at the time of their suicide. Major depression, a a mental illness, a chemical imbalance. If there's one cause that I get behind in my life besides bringing people to the hope of Jesus, not necessarily beside hand in hand with me bringing people to the hope of Jesus, it's suicide and depression. Because this stuff, the the pain that I've seen in the people around me and, and the hope that I believe Jesus can give people suffering from depression causes me to just be super passionate about this kind of stuff. I, I, just, I wish it would stop, man. I, I just wish that we could bring the hope of Jesus faster to the people that need it, to people who are hurting. About 20% of teenagers experience depression before their adulthood. Experience like, a, like real depression, not just sad for a couple days, but 20% experience depression some point before adulthood. Now, there are certain signs, and I encourage you to, to look at that, to know that kind of stuff. Um, you'll learn about it in health class if you haven't already. Um, there are signs of depression, but a lot of the pain, a lot of the stuff is going to happen under the, uh, under the surface, behind the scenes. You're going to have no idea that someone's hurting that badly unless you reach out and make a difference in their lives. People can be suffering for for years and years, suffering in silence. No one has any idea they're even suffering. This could be your friends, your family members. The people around you could be suffering with no one even knowing. We go back to that that psych professor, Jeff Swanson. He called out these these pieces, festering anger, alienation, and bitterness over bullying. uh, Bullying. This stuff is huge in, in depression and suicide as well. It's all around you, this alienation and bitterness over bullying. It's all around you, especially in public school, if you're one of those people. Um, I saw it over, over, over and over again. And it, was, it can be so frustrating to see this stuff around you and have this hope of Jesus and not know what to do, right? I don't understand how I can help these people. How can, how can I affect these people's lives and stop that kind of stuff from happening? And that leads us to the third question for tonight. What can I do? What can I do as a fellow human being, 
uh, with the love and hope of Jesus Christ inside of me? How should I be responding to people who are hurting? How should I be responding to people who have this festering anger, who are being alienated in my school, who are uh, being bullied online or in person? What? How should I react? And I think on the most basic level, we as Christians uh, should be a source of light and hope everywhere we go. The Holy Spirit, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit lives in you. God lives in you. And that's something really amazing. That God cares so much about his people that he would make his dwelling place. If you read the Bible, you're going to see uh, in the Old Testament where God, he wasn't dwelling in people yet. He was, uh, he had buildings to do that. If you read about it, you're going to read the tabernacle and you're going to read about the temple. And those things were so special to God. Because you're going to read chapters and chapters about how long the walls had to be, <laughs> about what the curtains were going to be made of, about the, the precious stones in the, in the, uh, the ornate decorations and the, and the different elements of, it's a whole intricate thing. And God cared so much about his dwelling place. He cared so much about the tabernacle. He cared so much when he moved into the temple. And when Jesus died on the cross, we believe that it changed. He wasn't living in the temple anymore, but he's living in his people. And that's crazy. That's huge that that would happen. That Jesus, the God of the universe, the Holy Spirit would dwell in his people. He cares that much about you, his new temple, his new tabernacle. He cares so much about you. He's residing in you. That means you have the hope and the light of Jesus. You carry it around with you. And school is often a dark place. The internet, the grocery store, the movie theater is often a dark place. And you carry that light of Jesus with you everywhere you go. And so, so important that you remember that, that I remember that. You can let Jesus shine through you in the things you say and the things you do. And when you do that, you're spreading the hope and light of Jesus. And that's huge because you're going to leave something behind. Um, has anyone ever been on a boat on Harvey's Lake? Harvey's Lake specifically? Anybody? A couple of you? I know we, we took a, a, a load once. It was, I love, I love that. It's such a beautiful time. If you ever have the opportunity, someone invites you on a boat at Harvey's Lake. It's such a great time. Um, when I think about legacy, I think about a boat. When you pilot a boat on the lake, you look behind you, you're going to see uh, ripples of water going out from either side. It's called a wake, uh, if you know anything about boats. It's called the wake. And the wake is going to follow the boat, and it's going to spread out. And the wake is going to hit other boats. And eventually the wake is probably, especially in the case of Harvey's Lake, it's going to hit the shore. And I believe that this, this is the same with you in your school and the same with you in your online interactions. Basically how you interact with anyone you meet. You're going to swing through middle school or high school for about four years. You're going to swing through uh, someone's life as their friend for some set amount of time. And you're going to leave something behind. You're going to leave a wake behind everything you touch. By the way you speak, the way you act, the way you treat people is leaving a wake behind you. It's going to affect other people. It's going to linger after you leave. You are not an island. <laughs> you are not just, you know, plopped wherever you are and nothing you do affects other people. You affect other people with the way you act, the way you speak. So you're, you're going to, the boat doesn't get to choose whether it has a wake or not. <laughs> the boat has a wake. You get to choose what kind of wake you're going to leave. 
You're going to affect the people around you. The question is, what are you going to leave behind? What kind of effects are you going to have? Because you can leave a wake of negativity and destruction behind you. The way you talk to other people, the way you act around people, uh, being rude to people you don't know, or to being respectful to adults because it's hilarious, um, or that uh, that goes in... Um, <clears throat> that goes after people on the internet because you can hide behind a screen, you can leave that wake of negativity behind you. Or you can leave behind a wake of God's love and hope. And everything you do, everything you touch, just is dripping with God's hope and love. You can respect and value every person you meet. You can show love to people who typically don't get love from other people. And when you do that, you're leaving awake like Jesus did. Jesus walked through this earth for three years, leaving awake of miracles, of people feeling valued for the first time, and you can do the same thing. You can leave waves of hope and joy and peace and love, just like Jesus did. Could you put a little music on there? There's another answer to the question, what can I do? And this one's a little harder. Um, don't be a bystander. Because it makes me sick when I look back on my time in high school and middle school, realizing all the times that I saw someone being bullied, where I wouldn't have called it bullying, but especially when I see that word alienation, when people are being physically alienated from other people, it makes me sick when I look back and, and see all the times that I passively participated in that and did nothing to stop it. You know, I, I never like directly... I shouldn't say that I never bullied anyone because I would say some of this is considered that. Times that I joined in passively uh, and making fun of the few kids who were the targets behind their backs. Um, or maybe I didn't do anything to, to directly impact these kids, but I certainly didn't do anything to stop it. I certainly didn't do anything to make them feel valued or respected. Please don't let that be your story. Let your wake be one of love and respect for people who don't get respected, the people who are the, the undesirables of your school. And, and I, I know in my head, I got names. I know exactly who those people were, and I assume that you do too. You know who those people were that people didn't talk to, you didn't associate with, because you'd be called dirty, you'd be called weird, you'd be, called, you'd be labeled because of spending time with a certain human being. <laughs> this is a human being with a soul. It's important that we remember that stuff. Don't let that be your story. It might sound a little dramatic, but honestly, if, if you were to step in and stop a bullying situation, you could change the culture of your school. I think one action like that can change the culture of your school, especially if you gang up on people. <laughs> if you're ganging up for Jesus, because we got several people in here from each of the schools represented. If you gang up on a bullying culture, you're going to change it. If you step in when you see someone being alienated or marginalized, you can change the culture of your school. Teach people that it isn't cool to put people down. Man, I wish I knew that. <laughs> I wish I knew that when I was in high school. I think we have that kind of culture here. At least we're trying to make that culture here. That's not cool to put people down. It's not cool to disrespect other human beings. Imagine that same culture at your school. But it will never happen if you stay a bystander. At least you won't have any part of it. If you step up, you let people know that it's not cool to put people down. You could change the culture and you could literally save a life. I'm trying not to sound too dramatic, but you could literally save a life by standing up to a bully. 
now I know that's easier said than done. There's a bunch of factors in the social maze that is public school. I get that. It's not that simple. But trust me, none of that is even close to as important as the stuff we're talking about. It's not nearly as important as, important as treating these people with kindness. It's not, it, it, you could literally save a life. That's what can be at stake in this. It's much more valuable than what people think of you. Don't be a bystander. People are in pain all over the place. All you have to do is look around. Just look around a little bit. You're going to see that. And it's part of our jobs as Christians to help the hurting people around us. Psalm 34:18 says this, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Man, the Lord is close to the broken. That's The Lord is close to the people who are hurting. He does that a couple different ways. He does that by comforting us when we are brokenhearted as, as his children. He, the Holy Spirit comforts us. But God also comforts the brokenhearted by sending us to the brokenhearted that don't know him. Mobilizing us to make a difference to people who don't know they can call on God. He's sending us to show his love through us. We get to be used by God in that way. We get to be Jesus with skin on. We may be the only Jesus that the people in your school know. Maybe they never come into a church their entire life. The only Jesus they know is how that apex student acted towards them. How that kid from the church on the hill in Trucksville called Harvest or whatever, the one with the gift, you know? That could be the only Jesus they know is how that student treated them that day. That when that one kid, like, some kid was, you know, pushing me up against the locker and somebody said, hey, that isn't cool. That could be the only Jesus they know. You can make that difference. You can spark a big change in your school. You can change the culture of your school because the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He is sending us to the brokenhearted. We were enslaved to our sin. I think this is important. We were enslaved to our sin. We were destined to hell. And Jesus came. God came to earth. He came to the brokenhearted to bring us out of sin, to bring us out of that pain, to bring us out of that that destination for hell. And he died on a cross for our sins so that we could spend eternity with him. That's what we believe. If you're new to church, that's the gospel in a nutshell. God came to earth to save us because we were destined for pain. We are all called to sacrifice for those in bondage and pain, just like Jesus did. We are called to make sacrifices. You might have to sacrifice some social currency. You may be called a name. You may be labeled. If you're doing it, Jesus sure was. We may have to give a little for the sake of others. But if we do, we're following the example of Jesus. Because Jesus gave everything for you. When we do that, when we follow the example of Jesus, you're never going to come up short. Never. There are all kinds of pain and tragedy in this world. It's important to remember as we review that God didn't cause. He doesn't cause pain. He gave us free will. Our choices bring sin and and evil into the world. In fact, Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. He works all things together. Now, even though we deserve consequences for bad choices that we make, he can work that stuff around for your good. And when bad happens to us because of a choice someone else makes, God works to turn that into good. That doesn't mean that we're never going to suffer. Obviously, if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you know that it can still be painful. We're still going to experience pain. But God, in spite of the pain, brings good 
And that's a promise. And we were saying just a few, half hour ago, that all of your promises are yes and amen. God has made this promise to us. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. So if you are a person who loves God, if you are a person who has given your life to God, made him your Lord and Savior, God has made this promise to you. When bad things come, I'm going to turn them into good. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it all over Sam's life. And and any of your small group leaders are going to use the pain from their past to talk to you about your pain. And that's just the, 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 the tip of the iceberg of how God uses your pain for good. He didn't cause your pain, but he works it together for the good of those who love him. When we ask the question, why do bad things happen? The answer is sin and evil, the abuse of free will. When we ask who would do something like this, remember that everyone is hurting and hurt people hurt people. Everyone is capable of something terrible. We need to constantly go to the source of love and joy and hope, and that is Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. Depression and hopelessness are running rampant through this country, through your high schools, and you may never know how bad someone is hurting until they act out or until you reach out and they tell you their story about why they're hurting, about the depression and the loneliness and the hopelessness and the alienation. You may never know until you reach out. And finally, the question that leads us to action, what can I do about this? The answer, simply put, is love. Love the people around you. Just like Jesus, to go to the brokenhearted. Love people who are hurting. You have the Holy Spirit in you, and you can bring light, ultimate light, to a dark place. So in the way that you talk, the way you act, you can show Jesus all day, every day to the people around you. I think it's so important that we talk about Jesus too. We need to live like Jesus and tell people why we're living that way. Don't stand back and watch people be mistreated. That is a child of God as much as you are. You can change the culture of your school by standing up and showing people that putting people down isn't cool. Jesus gave everything for us. And now it's our job to go into the world and sacrifice to love people. Love people. Show God's love to the brokenhearted. In our small groups tonight, uh, the questions are designed to make you think about how you can make a difference, about what you can do to make a difference. You're going to talk about what it looks like to represent Jesus in your life. So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray these conversations spur you to action, that uh, maybe you even change the culture of your school because you stood up for the brokenhearted. You stood up for the alienated and marginalized. Just like Jesus, you can leave a wake of hope and joy and love and peace. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this group of students that I believe you brought here for a reason, that you laid this this heavy message on my heart, that we had to change some plans to make this happen. I believe that this is important to you because hurt people are important to you. So God, I pray that you help us to process the bad things, process the crime and and depression and process how these things are affecting us and how we can affect other people going through them, God. I pray you mobilize Apex students to make a difference in the schools represented here. I pray that Apex students changes the culture of Lake Lehman High School, changes the culture of, of middle schools in Dallas. I pray that you use us to change the culture of Pittston and Nanticoke and Wyoming and you just use this group of students to change 
northeastern Pennsylvania. Help us to change Luzerne County because you didn't put us here just so that we could hang out in a church building. You put us here to make a difference for you. To make our to make Facebook a little bit nicer. <laughs> to make Instagram look a little bit more like the kingdom of heaven by the way we interact with people. The way we treat people on social media. Help us to represent you with every interaction we have and leave a wake of hope. Leave a trail of joy. Leave peace in our tracks because we're living like you. Guide our discussions tonight, God, and mobilize your people to change the world for you. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Apex Students podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little more like Jesus.